0: Well, welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. Pleasure to be back with you as always. Pastor Rick here, giving you the word today from the book of Joshua, chapter 2. You know, we're going to be in this for a little while. And so, you know, again, we want to pay close attention to God's, to God's hand on, on this story. Because Joshua's story here is, is, is quite a story. It's In fact, it's part of history. history, which is God, right? His story. That's what we like to call it. And so it's, it's his story. His story on how God used him as a predecessor of Moses. Now Moses had died, and Joshua was now called to stand into the place. And, and Joshua was now to lead the people into the promised land where Moses could not. Moses had been traveling around the desert for 40 years. And so as they came close to it, Joshua was now called to be the one to lead them in. And so it is an interesting story. It's a blessed story because we look at what, what God is continuing to do here. God works in our lives just just as he did then, as he's doing now, in so many different ways. God is just so amazing. And I think to myself, we're going to look at a very interesting chapter we're going to look at a very um in some ways controversial if you will because this particular chapter had to do with Joshua you know coming into the area of Jericho as a spy and who do they and who do they rely on as a uh, in order to house them is none other than a harlot a prostitute by the name of Rahab so there's been some controversy over this particular chapter, and a lot of people like to use this chapter in regards to, you know, disclaiming um, false accusations on certain things in regards to God, and regards to Joshua, in regards to the Word of God. But we're going to look at this. We're going to see for ourselves here just how God works, and, and we're going to see how things happen. I, I titled this, The Legacy of Rahab because rahab this this prostitute this harlot had a legacy god had chose her for a particular task and she will be in what was called what we call the hall of faith in the book of hebrews there is a particular chapter that is listed of old testament people in regards to their faithfulness and something that they did for god well guess what Rahab is in there, and she's in, in the form of a genealogy as well. So she has a legacy that carried on within time, and we're still reading about her today. So let's get into Joshua chapter 2. <clears throat> and so the, uh, we, we see the salvation of Rahab turning into a, a legacy of Rahab through the hand of God. Now, in chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to uh, read a few verses. It says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Now, we want to look at this again because this is where the people come into into the debate, if you will, that there was a... Problem here, why would God send them to the house of a prostitute? Right? Well, God, there's a saying that I heard once that really stands true, that, that God loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way. <laughs> and so God was using this as a, as a purpose, because God knows all things. See, we're going to see the, the the layout of the land here in a little bit, because at the time, Joshua and Caleb here were spies, you know, right, if you will, they were to come in and, and, and take a look at what was going on. They were to come in and take a look secretly, right? That, that's how spies work. You know, he'd probably be attacking a heavily fortified city because Jericho was surrounded by wall, by a huge wall. And we have archaeological evidence of a wall in that area where it once was where it fell. And so why would the spies stop at the house of Rahab, right? That's the question. Well, let's... Look at some. Let's look at some um, facts here, possibly, because it was a good place to gather information. I'm sure, right? She knew the law, the lay of the, uh, of the of the land over there, the town. We will see that her house was in an ideal location. It, it, it was right next to the wall, so you know. If you think about it, there was a, a, an option for escape, an option for entry. You know, God directed the spies there because he knew her heart. He knew deep down that her heart would be open to him, which we're going to see. And so God often uses people with with that simple faith to accomplish simple things sometimes and great things. And so we see God working in such a mysterious way here that we could look at ourselves and say, well, gosh, if God could use her, what can I do? What can I do for God if he used a prostitute? And, and you know, what's neat is Rahab didn't allow her past to keep her from, from the new role that God had in her life. You know, faith in the Lord's provision should never lead to presuming on God's decrees, right? I mean, faith looks for the principles, Right? Of the scriptures. You know, it, it, it gathers the information. If the Lord wants to intervene in some miraculous way, as he did with Jericho, that, that's great, because he's going to do it. Right? But, but, but why the secrecy? That's the thing. Why the secrecy? Well, why, what would you do? Right? He, he remembered the evil report from, of the spies from the preceding generation. When Joshua and Caleb went to look at the land, there was ten other spies. And so there was a problem there. There was a fear. It was inhabited by giants and all sorts of stuff. But God had them come in because he's going to say, I'm having you take over the place. There is such evil and debauchery going on here. And so in verse 2 through 7, it says now, and there was a king there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered to your house, for they have come to search all the country. And then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark. That the men went out, where the men uh, went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them uh, with the stalks of the flax, which she had laid in, order, uh, laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords, and as soon as those pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate." Now, if you're familiar with particular cultures of the Middle East, whether it's you know even now, but especially in the ancient Near East, when somebody took in a guest, it was their personal responsibility to house and protect them. You know, sometimes the, a guest would be uh, better uh, better protected than a family member. It was, it's quite interesting. So that was that was the the cultural aspect. You know, to this king, it shouldn't have been a big deal because you know he knew what she was, but he also knew that the uh, the aspect of of taking in a guest uh, meant protecting somebody. So she went against the grain. She could she could have told the king, "Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to do that." I would have risked her life. She did risk her she did risk her life though. She absolutely did risk her life because we have you know uh, justified in in lying to save the spies and so god god forgave god forgave her her lie i'm sure because of her faith now this is never this is absolutely never a license to lie but you know what's interesting is is that she used a she used a a particular way here of, of uh, how even law enforcement can do things. You know, law enforcement when they when they interrogate. You know, it's not illegal for them to trick you. It's a, it's a very well known tactic that they use in order to get you to confess something. It's not illegal for them to trick you, but it is illegal for them to force you to to basically admit something. And so, this is kind of an interesting thing here of how I'm, I'm looking at this from, a, uh, from an interrogation standpoint. You know, Rahab was simply deceiving the enemy. And, and again, this was normal practice during wartime. And so, Rahab broke a lesser principle telling the truth. She absolutely did. But, you know, she, she upheld a higher principle, and, and that was in, in watching over one of God's people. Now, there may have been other ways to do this, right? To to save a life. Um, But, you know, under the pressure of the moment, Rahab had to, she had to make a choice. Right? What would, what would any of us have done? Is a good question. You know, it's really easy for us to judge somebody, uh, from that, from back then, you know, when we weren't there, especially. I would have never done that. Well, it'd be interesting if we were put in the place. So she hides them under the flax of the roof. You know, flax was harvested in the fields, and it was actually piled high on the rooftops to dry. And so what they would also do, they'd also make it into a form of a yarn and make it into linen cloth. You know, so it actually grows, if I'm not mistaken, flax could grow to a height of three to four feet. And so they it would be stacked on the roof and, and as a form of uh, ancient day roofing. And it was a perfect place to hide the spies. The roofs were normally on the top, and that's where people's yards were. So, so she hid them well. She hid them in a good place. She, she was uh, smart in how she did it. And, and so what we want to do is look at how God, uh, how God is working here. How God is working here. He, you know, he, he simply asked us to put our trust in him. Right? To, to do the best with what we know. Rahab was a pagan woman from a pagan land in a debaucherous profession. And the fact that she had had a, uh, I guess, a Holy Spirit moment, if you will, for her to to want to go ahead and, and to risk her life, her home, and everything, her livelihood, to help out these these enemy spies was really something of, of a hero, a, hero, a heroic nature a very hero, um hero-like nature, if you will, and I look at this and, and think to myself that that God does use everyone and and I don't want to be in that mindset. you know I, I was when I was younger that I could never be used. I don't have the abilities, the talents. You know, God uses anybody and everybody for His glory. But look at what it says here in verse 8 through 14. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are, f- are faint-hearted because of you." Uh, uh, more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is uh, God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, and my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver us our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be, when the Lord has given us the land, that will be uh, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. You know it's funny how word gets around because uh, the Israelites had already gone through a particular tribe, a couple of tribes, uh, the Amorites. And, um, you know, how, how he dealt with the, the Amorites. Uh, Sihon and, and Og, O.G., was one of their kings. King Og was a giant. Um, it, it was in this, I forget what chapter it was in the Bible. I want to say maybe even in Deuteronomy, if I'm not mistaken. It spoke about King Og. And, and Og was actually larger than Goliath. King Og was uh, believed to be somewhere um, about 12 feet tall. The Amorites were were giants. They were the mountain dwellers of the area. And so these Amorites were very extremely large people. They would have been kind of considered like the Vikings of their day, very intimidating, very large. And so the the word had gotten out, what had happened over here. And so there was was a sense of fear, but there was a sense of faith. Fear in God, which leads to faith. And in, in Joshua's day... It was common to build houses on the on the city walls where she was located, right so that's where they're at. So the people of Jericho were afraid because they had heard the news of God's extraordinary power. The armies across the Jordan River came and destroyed the Amorites, and, and today we worship the same powerful miracle working god and and so they came to the right place, they came to the right house. Located in the perfect location. Located to the perfect person who basically, who God had spoken to and, and put recognition into her mind and into her heart. You know, Rahab's desire was to see her family safe. And, and the length that she goes in order to save their lives was, was something of, uh, of not to be unnoticed. You know, there were some wonderful women in the Bible that, that would, were willing to sacrifice themselves for their family and for the nation. You know, so she wanted to... It looked to me like, like Rahab wanted to leave her life. And, and she wanted to leave the culture of the, of the area there of Jericho. She wanted to follow God. You know, we could be in a dangerous place when we ignore... Now, before we discredit her for being a prostitute, if we may ask ourselves, and not just a prostitute, but what people would call a, a lying prostitute, people uh, if, if we could look into the mirror and ask ourselves the question, have you ever lied before? Well, if, if you say no, then you probably just proved that you're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything before? No, not everybody has, but I think a, a, very, a very large amount of people might have. So have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever had sex outside of marriage? You know, have you ever? The list can go on. Well, when you ask the majority of people, they would say, "Yes, I've done all of those things." So that makes you a lying, thieving, a, a fornicator. No better, really, than 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 Rahab. <laughs> and and so. I've, I've heard the stories before. I've heard the, the, um, the debates and the, and the people's uh, outlook from, from crediting this story because of who was involved. And so I had to ask that question because we need to put aside the aspect of who God used and who he changed. And, and so we don't know her past and why she was doing what she was doing. But God had a plan. God had a, God had a plan for somebody to be used in a great way. In verse 15 to 21, she says, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the, uh, lest uh, the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of the of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless we come into the land. You bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father and your mother, your brothers, and all your father's households to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. That scarlet cord was an interesting sign, right? It was. The scarlet is the color of blood red, if you will. And she left that outside of the window as a sign that it's, it's, that you're ready to come in and, and do what it is that you've been called to do. And so, I want to make sure that again, that, that Rahab's destiny here was made known. Because, when we look at how God, uh, acted towards the Israelites when they were making their exodus out of Egypt, everybody, that was of God that was in this exodus was to slaughter a lamb and and to and to mark the upper uh door casing on the outside in, in of their house in blood, so that way when the angel of death appeared, they would their household would not be harmed, so every obeying uh person in the kingdom that was of God did what was what was told to them. So when they did that, the angel of death avoided their houses, killing off everyone else, all the firstborn sons. And so this is a very similar concept, saved by, saved by the blood, right? saved by grace. And utilizing this red cord was kind of like a, an indicator, again, of how God worked in the, in the lives of the people of Israel at the time when they were in Egypt. How he saved them and, and how he watched over them and, and got them out of there. And, and so this was, this was really something to. Uh, this was really something to look back on and, and see God's provision working through Joshua. And you know, when I look at the setup here, I also work in the building industry as well. And. Uh, we build, you know, the company I work for. We build communities, and in Joshua's day, it was common to build houses, you know, on those city walls. You know, the, the houses they'd be built on on wooden logs. right, they they laid across the top of the two uh, of the two walls, and the, the walls could be more or less, according to archaeological finds, somewhere between twelve to fifteen feet apart,
1: and and
0: the window. The windows could look over the wall for the for you know to see any outcomers coming because again they always had watchmen on watchtowers watching uh, the city walls and stuff. They had the gates that closed at night, so they had to be protected. And and so it just so happened that that Rahab's house was in the perfect location. It was right there overlooking the window for Joshua and and, and all of them to come in and and see the red cord. So I, I love it. I love it because when I look at, when I look at Rahab's destiny, and that's really what I should be calling this, this message more so than the legacy, but it, it, this was really part of Rahab's destiny with a great legacy, right? Be- because Rahab would not just become in the hall of faith, we would see that she was basically repented of her sins and became uh, became a part of the house of david she will marry one of the princes of judah and that's what put her in the lineage of king david and if she was in the lineage of king david that means that she was in the lineage of our lord and savior christ jesus so when we look at the big picture <laughs> she was made new it's interesting because Joshua is the name same name is, is anglicized as Jesus, Yeshua. So Joshua, in a sense, came as a as a form as a deliverer, a savior slash deliverer to Rahab, but then he was also kind of like a judge to the to the area of Jericho, and that's what Jesus is. Right, He's a savior, but he he could be a judge too for those who reject. And we look at verse 22 to 24. They departed and went to the mountain. And they stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all uh, along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had been fallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of this country are faint-hearted because of us. You know, there's one thing that, that we have in common with Joshua and how God uses people. It's where the miraculous meets the ordinary. And that's what Joshua was. He was he was ordinary, just like any of us. But see, God got involved making things miraculous. So in order for us to trust the Lord, are we, are we looking just for miracles all the time? Are we just looking for things that are sensational, or whatever the case may be? Do we ask for out-of-ordinary experiences? You know question is, is are we willing to step out of the, uh, the normal uh, everyday f- uh, forms of life and, and trust God to use us to lead us? because we are ordinary people who has been touched by the hand of God and and so I am absolutely amazed by the story. when I look at when I look at how God used uh, uh, this lady this, this harlot. Whose name was mentioned somewhere? If my my numbers are correct, seven to eight times in the Bible. And if your name's mentioned in the Bible, that means you were you were something pretty special on the good end, of course. And there's plenty in there that was a, that was not so special. We don't want we don't want to partake in their in their name, in what they did to get their name in the Bible. But what's interesting here was Jericho it was, it was considered one of the most fortified cities of the area. Surrounded by giant walls and gates and, and, and you know, ancient day security and watchmen. And yet the uh, the strategy, the, the military style strategy of Joshua and his guys was really something to be impressed with. Because this was not an easy, this was not an easy task. This was not something that, that could be uh, easily pulled off, if you will. So that's why we see the hand of God and why He used who he used here there, there was a there was a uh, a line to be had, a line a lineage line. and so when I look at when I look at Rahab and I look at where shes uh, where she's been and where she's gone, the question was, was why well why was Rahab saved? Simple because she had believed in God, and she made a, and she made a uh, an oath, if you will. She wanted to be a part of him. She wanted out of the life, right? The, see, the, let's get something straight. Rahab's action was not the, the the Bible doesn't approve of Rahab's action. The Bible approves of her faith. And that's what we want to clarify here. See, that's the beauty of the Bible is because it records all of the things that are embarrassing. And it records all of the things that, that people did. And how they did it, that could be very embarrassing. And, and But yet, you see how the, how the hand of God worked in this situation. I think it's an amazing thing. I've had a saying for a long time that that the Lord has a special place in his heart for babies and fools and which is why I'm still here and probably a lot of other uh, people out here. Now the question is is where where do you want to be where are you going? Where are you going? Are you in the place of Rahab? Do you feel like maybe you're in in these fortified walls that you can't get out? There is no way out, they say. There is a way out. That way out was by the pierced hands of Christ Jesus, stretching his hand out. Just like Rahab, she had a hand stretched out to her, saying that, that that you have a way out of this place. You and your family, through her faith, she also saved her family, just kind of like Noah did. You could do the same. You could be like the ember of a small fire that starts a big something big. <laughs> it's all it takes is a couple little embers to start a major fire. And that could be done in both good and bad ways. How do you want to be? Do you want to be a fire that warms and creates light, or do you want to be a fire that destroys and and burns? You have a choice. You have a way out. If you feel like you're in the fortified city of of debauchery, the fortified city of paganism, the, the fortified city of sin, if you will. Time is not guaranteed. But salvation is to those who receive it. And I want to give you that, that salvation through Christ. I want to give you that, that ticket. I want to give you that, that prize. Uh, I want to o- offer option door one for you, right? Door one is, is, is the prize. Door one is your ticket to heaven. So let's go ahead and, and if you are willing, if you feel led like Rahab, then you too can have a place and a future and a hope. Whether it's here on earth, absolutely, God is that good. But more importantly, your eternal hope. Your eternal hope out of hell and fire. Your eternal hope into heaven, and into a place that is just overwhelming of love, joy, beauty, and, and just God's presence, and angelic presence. Can't even explain it. The Bible can't even really explain it in its, in its entirety. But you have to go in order to experience it. And there's a ticket with your name on it if you want it. And that ticket is through a prayer. We, could, we together can ask Christ into your heart. And you can be a, a believer, a follower, a child of His. By simply saying this prayer with me. And if you feel led, let's do that now. And assure... Assure your presence into heaven when your time is up. So re- repeat after me, dear God. Please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins, as I confess to you that I am a sinner. Father, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for for having me. I I thank you, Lord, for loving me. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior. And my Father, I pray you enter my heart now, Lord, and dwell with me. And that you would receive me into your kingdom when my time comes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm just, again, just so so thankful to be doing what I'm doing. Why? Because I'm not worthy of it, just like anybody. I'm no, wor- no more worthy of- than Rahab. I'm I'm just thankful that I get to be a part of this in in doing whatever it is that that I can do for him. You know, we, we have a chance in life. We don't have much time, but we have a chance. So I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank you for most of all, if you said that prayer, for making the wisest decision you'll ever make in your life. Because that's what it's all about. You too can be called to deliver, to help deliver people into the hands of God. Because it's a good thing. He loves you and He wants you. So may God bless you and keep you and your families. And may you do wonderful things in His name. God bless you.